Welcome to Haptic Feedback with Shaco, mobile by design. Hey everyone, welcome to Haptic Feedback, a podcast from Shaco. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining me here for this episode of the program. Today we're talking about where you should build your next app, and we're going to evaluate some options, break down the pros and cons, and so much more. And I have three subject matter experts here with me today. First, we have Tajendra Patel. He's the principal application engineer for West Rock. Tajendra, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're also happy to be joined today by Andrew Rumbley, the senior mobile and web app developer at Shaco. Uh, Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Hey, happy to be here. Excellent. And finally, last but not least, is Kavan Adonis. He is the senior developer at Shaco. Kavan, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. You're welcome. It's, it's good to be here, man. Excellent. Well, it's a thrill to have all three of you on here today. We have a lot of expertise here on the podcast. So uh, let's break down our terms first. You know, as we talk about cross-platform versus web, and I know that there are a lot of uh, terms wrapped up in that as well. Um, so maybe, Andrew, you can get us started. Just help us define our terms when we're talking platform versus web. Uh, sure. So with a cross-platform application, you're writing code that's going to match up to native elements. So if you were writing a, a native application on Android, iOS, uh, we're just simply talking mobile here, but cross-platform can even apply to desktop applications as well. It's using the native components that a native developer would use there, whereas the web application, you're getting uh, web components that aren't going to have the exact same look and feel. With a web application, you are not using native uh, native components. You're limited to the web components that we've been using since the, the 90s and some um, features of the mobile platform like access to camera, microphone, other native functionality is more difficult to work with. Interesting. Uh, Kevon, would you agree with uh, with what Andrew just said, uh, kind of as he as he defined our terms there? Yeah, absolutely. I would I would want to add a little bit more on 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 web, right? Web is, you know, primarily um, an avenue you reach via browser, right? That is your is your sort of gateway to anything published to the web, right? You you're coming in through the lens of a browser, and there's there's numerous browsers out there, and all of them have different like features, responsibilities, security hacks, that kind of stuff, but. Um, when we're talking cross-platform, as Andrew mentioned, it's it's more or less an ability to write once and deploy to um, sort of identifiable platforms. Versus web is kind of anything you you just you just basically serve it up to a browser and anywhere a browser could run, you can access web. So there's that that slight disadvantage or advantage rather um, in using web. There, it's more accessible, in my opinion. Interesting. Tajendra, do you have any uh, any thoughts on, on on what these guys have been talking about so far? Yeah, I agree. Like you can have your Kindle, which has a, a browser and you can run any web app on a Kindle as well. So just want to make sure you know where you're targeting, um, what, what platform your audience is going to be using and what your application needs to do. Use that as a kind of a guide to then decide what you need to do for your particular application. Let's talk pros and cons real quick about each of these different platforms because you, you've you've mentioned some already. But uh, but Andrew, talk us through maybe some of the pros and cons of uh, of a cross platform approach because it sounded earlier like you you're positive on it. But uh, but are there any cons and, and downsides to it? The pros are really about being able to use the native components. That's something you just can't do in the web. Uh, you can access some of them for some things, but. Just being able to build your app with native components, even though you're writing in another language than the native language is the, the main strength across platform. But the trade-off that comes there is that someone's got to write that code that then talks to the native elements. So uh, we've got iOS 15 coming out here next week, and any new features added by iOS 15, they're going to be really easy to access from a native development perspective. 
but it's not going to be out of the box on a cross-platform solution. Someone's got to write code, glue code, so you can use that in JavaScript. Um, there's also performance issues sometimes with that, especially when you're trying to have an API that works the same across iOS and Android when they have different APIs under the hood. Kavan, any, uh, any follow-ups to, uh, to Andrew's comments? I would like to point out, too, um, in terms of pros and cons of, of, of cross-platform, is the, is the ability to, I guess, write native inside of, of that platform if, if that bridge doesn't exist, as, as Andrew mentioned. Even though it's a, it's a con, right, there is a plausible workaround where you can still you know, write your own modules and talk to the native elements of the, of the device, even if, even if that API doesn't live or exist yet on the cross-platform framework you're using, in this case, React Native. Yeah, that's very true, because you at least have an avenue there on cross-platform, but on, on the website, you don't. Yeah. Tajendra, any, uh, any thoughts on what you've heard so far from, from Andrew and Kavan? No, so I think what they said is correct. Like you have this avenue where you can create a bridge and get the functionality that you want. But one of the things you want to decide early on is what is it that you're trying to build? Um, most of the applications, especially if you're working in corporate, you're doing something for internal or you're a small shop kind of creating your own application. Most of them are CRUD-based applications. If you're not using fancy animations, you just have a basic application, you can get away with it. Um, but the, when you start thinking about, hey, I have tens of millions of users, I have this fancy animation, performance, everything is of importance. Maybe at that point, you're better off, you know, going the native route rather than kind of trying to use Iconic or React Native to build something cross-platform. Because there's the, the other option of, you know, to add to the mix is progressive web applications, which kind of is supposed to be in the middle of a web app and native application. But again, it just goes back to, you know, what am I trying to do? You have apps like Pinterest that have a really great progressive web application because it's it's a blog base almost where you're fetching data, you're able to cache it for offline use, and it's you know linking you to other websites. So they're not really doing much with say your camera or any of the other native features on your on your phone. So it just depends on the use case and help you decide you know, which way you should go. If you're building a, a game, for example, you don't want to use a PWA or a React Native app. You want to go you know, native native. Right, right. That that makes sense. Do, do you guys agree with uh, with what Tajendra said just then? Absolutely. I was I was hoping we get to the PWA conversation sooner rather than later, um, uh, just to kind of counter some of the of the cons that um, that came out for web. Right, and that is that sort of lack of hardware interaction. Over the years, web has always struggled with that, where it's difficult to interact with the mic or the camera or any any sort of hardware on the device. And for good reasons, all security reasons, I, I've, I've never disagreed with any reason in terms of, of blocking access to those hardware. But with the introduction of PWAs, we now have a decent amount of hardware access, right? Access to camera, to the file system, to the audio, you know, motion, multi-touch, all that, it's now available via a PWA. Um, and that sort of makes PWA a little bit more impressive and attractive when in, in making that decision, because if your only reason for not using web was hardware, now you don't really have a reason anymore. Of course, there's additional, um, additional cons you could look at and say, okay, this is why we're not using web. But if that reason was hardware, I think that's mitigated with the introduction of PWAs. Yeah. And to add to that, um, another benefit from PWAs is you get that icon right on the desktop. And you've been able to do that with websites for a little bit now. But um, 
you know, back in the two, the 2000s, before the first iPhone came out, um, you saw a, a lot of uh, websites for doing common tasks. Like you wouldn't download an app on your PC to do banking, right? You'd go to your your mobile or you'd go to the, the website for it. But on a on a phone, that's kind of flipped around. You know, we want to have that that icon on the user's desktop so that they they know that they can go to this thing. It's you know less about websites and more about having that application installed. Yeah. And also to add on one more benefit for PWA, which could be a middle path between either native or React um, cross-platform, is that it even supports push notifications because that's another big feature of applications. Like I want to send out new content to my user. Now with PWAs, I can do that, whether that PWA is on running on the browser or if it's on your phone as a PWA application installed. So it does. it's another bridge, I would say. So it sounds like a, a lot of the decision-making process for this comes down to what the goal is for the end user, how they were, you know, how how customers and clients would like to use the app and how they would like for it to be interacted with, right? And then from there, do you steer them in a particular direction based on what their goals are? Uh, Kavan, you mentioned, I think it was you that mentioned the example of Pinterest earlier and the way that people use it is different than people might use other apps, right? So is understanding what the goals are helpful in terms of determining what's going to work best for them? I, I completely agree. Um, understanding the goals is, is, is paramount in making a platform decision, right? Because that uh, based on the goals, you might have different requirements coming out of that, right? And uh, going back to the hardware interaction stuff, if if one of the use cases is interacting with the camera, then that's a solid use case for, you know, something other than web. Um, I think in addition to that, though, a very important criteria in that decision is is your target um, your target platforms, right? There are some application that applications that are best used for desktop, right? If you have like a massive screen, many data entry points, um, if that's the case and you're targeting a desktop sort of user, it's it's almost a no-brainer at that point that you want to build a web app, right? If the application is is basically for if if the use case is for someone remote in the field and they're doing you know, observations or something like that, then yeah, you want to have something geared towards a tablet or a cell phone in that case. So in addition to the the actual, you know, the actual purpose and use case of the application, I think where it needs to function is also important in making that decision. Yep. Um, cost can play a, a huge role as well. If, if performance is a, a big part of your use case in your app, like if you're making a game for something, you don't want to shortchange performance. But if you're making things that, you know, you can point to a dozen other apps that do similar things, those are kind of simpler problems to solve. If you think about something like uh, like a Zillow, for instance, they have a mobile app, but they also have a website. And if you're trying to cater to both audiences, you can start with mobile or start with web and then do a mobile uh, website and then eventually do an app later if you really need that app store presence or you have a, a desire to, to be a, a native app for some reason. But Oftentimes, you can start with a desktop mobile experience or a desktop web experience, cater that to mobile and buy yourself some time or even not have to go with a, an app at all. Yeah. Yeah. To add to that, I'd, I'd, I'd want to take a step back to like the origin of all of this in terms of reaching users remotely. All of it started on web, right? Web was that first sort of avenue to, okay, this is how I make my, you know, my store, my company digital. 
Um, so it's kind of like the requirement. You have to have web before you, you have anything else. It's only recently I'm starting to see, I'm starting to see companies or, 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 um, or services that only have a mobile presence and no website. That's something that's pretty new. Um, I guess a few years old, if, if not, if not, um, um, if not younger, but it's that situation where web is that sort of baseline requirement. And after you have web, then everything else is kind of like nice to have. So, okay. Let's add a mobile presence and add all these other stuff. But web is that sort of basic requirement you need to be digital. It's, it's, it's your gateway into that digital world. Yeah. And, and even in some situations you need to have web additionally, like, uh, Apple's rules are getting challenged in court by Epic right now, but for Netflix, if you want to sign up, I'm pretty sure you have to do it through the web. If you want to use the Amazon app, but you want to subscribe to Amazon Prime, I think you might have to do that through the the web as well. So you could get yourself in a situation where you're not allowed to do what you want through an app and you need to have that web presence. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about um, my first experience using Robinhood when it first came out. It was just app only, but you know, sometimes those kind of applications, you wouldn't have a web presence where you know, I wouldn't be able to take trades or use the application from the desktop rather than doing it from my phone. It's really just, you know, understanding what is the, maybe it's an MVP that you're just trying to validate um get users to start using your product it might be quicker to go just the mobile route um again it kind of comes back to you know what are your goals what are you trying to achieve absolutely so i i wonder just from from your perspectives what sorts of questions what sorts of factors should people be thinking through as they try to determine what their goals are what questions should they be asking and answering themselves uh, that then helps lead them to the correct conclusions in the long run uh, are, are there certain factors they should be thinking through kavan let me kick this to you first uh first and foremost i think user experience is is that first question i would i would ask what is the intended user experience you want and that will sort of start to create the funnels right of 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 the end end solution. I mean, some people might think cost might be the first thing. You say, okay, what's your budget? But I I like to I like to start with you know user experience, use cases. Those are the first questions, right? And after you answer those, like okay, the very a basic question is what does the app do, and where does it need to run? And if you say okay, this needs to be a desktop application because people will be using it from their office locations. It's not remote. Not there's no there's no need for offline and all that stuff. Then we you know we already start to go that path, and then we can trickle questions down there to see if web is the ultimate route or if web need to be accompanied by something else. After that, I think cost is that is that factor because you might say okay, I need a mobile app, and then when you realize the cost is um, is something that you can't do at the moment. A, another step might be mobile web, right? Mobile web where you get probably 60, 80% of what you want in terms of use case and user experience, but at the same time, you save a decent amount on that, on that cost, right? So I think, I think those two questions is what I would, you know, usually have that conversation with a user or an intended. I think that's where you would, uh, I guess, funnel those questions to kind of get to that outcome. There's the first phase of, okay, what do we need to go ahead and build? But then it's the long term, you know? How often is this going to get updated? How do you want updates to go out? Um, how do you expect your users to get those latest updates? So kind of those long-term questions kind of need to go and play in making your decision as well. Um, sometimes maybe upfront you might not have the funding to do a mobile app, but you know if your long-term plan is really to be on mobile, then it, it changes the conversation. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely important to, to dream big before you settle on that minimum viable product you're going to go after. Agreed. I think another, another aspect there too, um, that Tyler is, is, um, hardware interaction. We touched on this a lot earlier in the conversation, right? But if, if the use case involves a lot of hardware interaction, then that sort of, you know, directs the conversation automatically in one, in one pad or the other. As Tatendra mentioned, I think if long-term goal involves like updates and how often we want to push, do we want to have users after like update an app or just automatically get changes to them? I think all those questions are in, are important. I would say sooner rather than later. Most people sometimes think, okay, let's just build something now. We can decide that later. But when you lock yourself into one of these, one of these paths, it can be expensive to kind of change your mind on the road. So hmm. it's kind of important to answer those questions even before you start first implementation. Well, guys, before we, we start to wrap things up today, I want to give each of you the opportunity just to uh, have any final thoughts, anything you want listeners to walk away with from this uh, this episode today, because we've covered a lot of ground. We've talked about a lot of different factors, a lot of things to think through. Um, so what do you want listeners to walk away with beyond anything else? Andrew, let's uh, let's kick it to you first. Uh, is there anything that you want to make sure that, that people understand from uh, from what we've talked about here today? Think about if you really need an application. A lot of people feel like they have to have that app store presence to be discovered and for their product to stand tall as a real thing. And that's not that's not true. Um, you can always add a, an app after the fact. You can do web only. Websites have been getting the job done for a long time and they will continue to get the job done in the future. Kevon, uh, final thoughts? I'm a huge fan of, of web application. I, I'm also a huge fan of mobile apps. I think I think both of them has a solid place and use case and purpose in, in today's digital trends, right? I would say for web though, I think what the web is trying to do is to be that sort of one, you know, one stop shop, right? And that's with the advent of PWAs because of the fact that over the years web was, was bombarded like, Hey, we can't do all these things on web. Um, I think, um, I think pioneers are really leading the front to kind of get web to that spot where it can do everything a mobile app could do. And at the same time, give you a website. So it's that two for one special, right? So I would say, I would say web right now might be lacking, but I would, I would say check back in a couple of years and web might give you everything you need. Great stuff. And Tajendra, uh, final word. I'd, I'd say the future is big, right? With web three, once we start seeing a lot of companies and little, uh, yeah, companies and services that spin up that are really based on like crypto it's going to be web-based so i would say evaluate your options um, and even if you go ahead and say hey i want to go ahead and create a web application and put it on the store and get more um, people to install it well you know good luck getting featured on the play store because that's really how people discover applications so just by creating an application doesn't mean you get a million downloads so evaluate all your options Excellent stuff from the three of you. Thank you all so much for joining us here for this episode today. To Jendra, Andrew, and Kevon, thank you all so much for, for being here and for sharing your expertise and insights with us. Thanks for having us, man. Thank you. Take care, guys. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for tuning into this episode of Haptic Feedback with Shaka. We appreciate it very much. Of course, stay tuned for upcoming episodes of the podcast. But for this one, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for joining us.